Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we go out to the left coast to speak to our dear friend. He is the founder of the largest online progressive community. Marcos Melitsis of Daily Coast joins us once again for Thursday Coast. Marcos, how are you, man? Doing great. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good. I'm good. Hanging in here. It's hot. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna be out there uh, tomorrow near you. I'm gonna be in New Jersey. Okay. So uh, I, I guess I'll be uh, in that oven because it's nice here in the Bay Area. We don't get too hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me do this first of all, Marcos. Um, um, I don't think we got we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but just um, your thoughts about the life and legacy of John Lewis and what might be applicable from his life for the entire electorate going forward into November. And he spent his entire life trying to get people engaged in the political process, realizing that that's where the actual power is wielded. And, and um, I do think that in the last several cycles, uh, the black community has actually responded and turned out in larger numbers. I would love to see that energy um, 
continue to continue to maximize black turnout, but also in uh, my community, the Latino community has terrible turnout rates all across the country. And, and there, it matters who you vote for matters. And now we've learned this in, you know, like we've learned this in a lesson that we shouldn't have had to, to learn. I mean, it's cost us 150,000 dead so far. We're probably going to be at 250 at least by the time November rolls around. Uh, not to mention children in cages. And, and uh, now we're going to see people get thrown out of their homes because eviction controls are being thrown out and Republicans can't get their act together to pass any kind of stimulus or help for people that are suffering or even uh, further aids to the states who are fighting this pandemic. All of this matters. And John Lewis, you know, he wasn't, I mean, his activist bona fides are second to none. And he transitioned into the, uh, to the, um, you know, the world of governing, of electoral politics. And there's too many people still in our movement, Mark, who think that there's something wrong with electoral politics, that it's sullying, that it's dirty, that you have to compromise. So they'd rather live uh, on, on empty slogans and, um, and actions that really don't move the ball. I mean, and, and Mark, remember, we were, we were already talking during Occupy. When was Occupy? Like 2003 or something? I mean, it was, it was a while ago. It was that long ago, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and they were proudly non-electoral, and it fizzled out, right? Like, what is the legacy of Occupy? Nothing. Mm. Nothing. They had a moment, and then they disappeared because they did not engage electorally. And I got to say, elected officials, they know who has power. And if they look at a protest movement, they'll, they'll be a little freaked out, right? Like, oh, my gosh, do I need to worry? And then if they say, we're not going to do electoral politics, they're like, phew, we don't have to worry. We can ignore them from here on out. Mm. And one of the things that I, I love about this Black Lives Matter um, protest movement right now is that we know empirically that voter registration is up everywhere, and particularly amongst youth in areas where the protests are taking place. And so to me, that is the, the core of the John Lewis legacy. It's go to the streets, it's protest, it's fight for what you believe in, and then vote, and then run for office, and then hold your elected officials accountable, because that is where the real power is wielded. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So speaking, and, 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 and that's exactly what he was about. Everybody is not going to aspire to being elected, but you can still vote. Um, those, those who do that should do it, and the rest of us should vote to support progressive people who are doing that. Um, speaking of young people and engagement, um, you have said that you support now Karen Bass. Does that ticket, a Biden Bass ticket, engage and pull in the support of that younger generation you and I have been saying, you know, need to vote? I think so. I mean, I, I, a couple of things. First of all, by saying I support Karen Bass, it doesn't mean I don't support anybody else, right? It, this is not an, a primary election where it's a, you know, my choice or nobody else. I mean, it, there are great potential uh, candidates and a lot of them are going to make me excited. So let, let's, I know people get all riled up when you talk VP and in no way does that mean um, I don't support other 
potential candidates. It just means that I think given the time, given the political situation, given the state of the Republican Party, Karen Bass is, uh, would be, in my opinion, the best, the best option. Um, that said, I think what a VP does is, is limited. So I, I, we, again, we tend to debate and argue these things in, you know, in, in these little pol political circles. Um, is there a VP candidate that would rally youth voters more than anybody else? Um, I'm not so sure. Maybe uh, AOC, but she's not old enough. Right? <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a couple of politicians that have some juice with younger voters. Um, and none of them are, I think, <laughs> 35 years old, unfortunately. Uh, maybe Ayanna Presley. Um, so um, I, I would, nothing is going to rally the youth vote more, I think, than the current movement. I think that's doing a good job of, of making young people realize that um, things will not change as long as Republicans are in charge. And I think Donald Trump, by his own lonesome self, just by saying the kind of stuff he says, is himself doing a lot to motivate um, voter support. And we're seeing it um, over at Civics with a Q, civics.com with a Q. Uh, we track Joe Biden's approval ratings and Donald Trump's approval ratings, but Joe Biden's approval ratings in all 50 states by age groups. And you can go and look yourself. And if you look at the 18 to 29 year olds, they are getting more favorable towards Biden. It's gradual. It's not at the levels of anybody else. There's still some residual uh, in, in that world. But I think people are realizing this is, this is by far the better option. And in the end, we don't even need them to really like Joe Biden. We just need them to realize that things are only going to get better when we wipe out Republicans this November. Yeah. Um, well, let's hope so. And they are flailing. Now, they have... I'm surprised they they actually canceled the Jacksonville convention. Um, even this COVID is making them change some of their crazy plans. Herman Cain, Shucky Ducky, who was in Tulsa, is I think he's now on a ventilator. He must be. They're not. They say he's he's on oxygen. oxygen. Which right. so what else is there? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, maybe they're realizing now that that people are actually uh, imperiled by this thing and it's wrong to bring people together in this way i mean this you know uh, it, it took a plague to take pharaoh out so maybe that's really i'm beginning to wonder I, yeah don't don't give republicans any or trump any credit on canceling the jacksonville convention what, what really happened there is that the sheriff of duval county uh in which jacksonville is in a Republican sheriff, to be clear, said, I can't pull this off. There's no way for me to provide security. Where at the time they were 60 days out or 45 days out, I forget the exact number, I think it was 45 days out. They still, the local law enforcement, the sheriff's office did not have a plan from the RNC about what was happening at the convention. So they were too incompetent to do the kind of planning you need to do. And this planning to be clear it takes months and years right this this thing is supposed to be planned out a year in advance right so the sheriff said i don't have a plan i don't know what i'm supposed to protect and i need 2000 uh police present to handle just basic security needs and i only got 500 
and local police departments are in Florida. This is Florida, right? They're ravaged by COVID. I know, I know in Miami, you know, there was like 80 officers who were out of commission because they had the virus. And they're dealing with local local security because of the pandemic. So the sheriff's like, I don't I don't have a plan, I don't have the manpower, and I don't even have the money. Because of course, are you really gonna expect the Republican Party to pay people? I think San Antonio is still waiting on uh for its um, bills to be paid from a trump rally uh last year so no money no planning i mean it was just ranking confidence from top to bottom so there was literally no way they could do it they they just said nope and trump had no chance and so now he pretends that it's about protecting people mm-hmm. while he's still walking around with that mask while he's still demanding that schools reopen in our unsafe uh environment um and uh i don't know you know has his tone changed today? I mean, is the media getting all excited about his tone changing? <laughs> right. Not right. changing. You you have another headline in the past few days. The Trump campaign is a cesspool of mismanagement, nepotism, grift, and idiot. Talk to him. <laughs> so the Trump campaign and the Republican National Committee had a massive fundraising advantage over Biden and the DNC just three months ago. Uh, if you look at the other party committees, if you look at the Senate and the House committees, Democrats are crushing it. If you look at candidates, Democrats are crushing it. All Republican money has been flowing to Donald Trump to the point where he was actually demanding that Republican House members give him their money. And they did. And now those Republicans are in danger of getting blown out and Trump doesn't care. Right? He don't care. He just wants all the money because he's Donald Trump. So he was sitting on at one point a $180 million advantage over Biden and the DNC, right? It seemed like, oh my God, he's going to have all this money. Um, what he's done since then, though, as of the end of, uh, of June, it's basically parity. I think Donald Trump and the RNC have like a $5 million advantage. So $180 million to $5 million. What happened to close the gap? One is Democrats and donors started giving to Joe Biden. So he, he's closed the gap. But that was just, small part of it. The real part of it is he's funneling money to his businesses. He's funneling money to the wives and girlfriends of his sons. He's funneling money to lawyer fees to sue CNN for running a poll. I mean, I think it's up to 30 lawsuits and he's going to lose all of them. It's just the campaign sues people because that Trump is used to getting his way by suing people. And so sue them, right? And they're like, oh, okay. Uh, they're, they've wasted money on TV advertising. I mean, we knew that they were running ads in Washington, D.C. media market because they know that's where Trump watches TV and Trump needs to see himself happening. Uh, the second largest recipient of campaign ad spending is Ohio, by a long shot, Ohio. And I think we discussed last week or the week before that Ohio is not going to decide the presidential election. If Joe Biden wins Ohio, he's already won Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania, uh, North Carolina, and probably Florida, and probably Georgia. And so there is no scenario in which Biden wins Ohio and loses Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Right? So why would you spend a dime in a state that isn't going to decide things, right? But uh, last count, I think it was in the $30 million range in Ohio. So 
you had uh, his Brad Parscali, his his last campaign manager, spent. I think the last they saw it was you know half a million dollars promoting himself, getting people to driving people to his own private personal Facebook page. And now there's the Republicans are engaged in a forensic analysis to see what else may have happened uh, from the financial shenanigans. And uh, Pascal, his Pascali, Pascal, I don't know how to pronounce his name. His um, it don't matter. I think his I think his salary was like fifteen thousand a month which is not bad, but he's driving a Ferrari, has two new lake houses. I mean, <laughs> and he has no other job, right? This is all grifting from the campaign. And all the people working for that campaign are grifters because Trump is surrounded by grifters, right? That's, that's just the world he lives in. And uh, uh, I'd have to go back, but if you go through, I mean, it's misspending over misspending over misspending, and it's all funneling campaign dollars to his campaign. Oh, the convention. That's going to cost them $10, 15000000 million right there by moving to a place and then not having it. And so now you're paying convention costs in Jacksonville and Charlotte for a convention. That's just not going to happen, right? So what was a nearly $200 million advantage is all but evaporated. And to be very clear, I don't think money um, controls the campaign. Hillary Clinton outspent uh, Donald Trump by about $200 million. Uh, people don't. People forget this, right? Um, so it wasn't. I wasn't too worried about him having a big cash advantage, but now there's not even the possibility that that money could have an impact. Um, and then finally, I don't think there's a single person in this country that will see a 30-second ad and go, ah, I was voting for Joe Biden, but now I'm going to vote for Donald Trump or vice versa. So a lot of that money is just wasted, and it's just vestiges of traditional campaign running um, where people think that you have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars in TV ads. It's, it's when you have Donald Trump and Joe Biden, they're so well-defined. People know them. Nobody's mind is being changed. So bottom line is, don't worry if you see that Donald Trump is raising a lot of money because he's sucking up all the Republican money, hurting down-ballot Republicans, and he's grifting it. Him and his merry band of grifters, friends and family are just grifting it for themselves. So it's not even being spent trying to get him get elected. Wow. And then, what is it, um, Florida, and is it Georgia, with the highest unemployment numbers now? Boy, yeah. I mean, the irony, the last week's uh, newly unemployed numbers, Florida and Georgia, by far, the largest number of unemployed people. And the reason, uh, you probably brought it up, the reason this is incredibly ironic is because those are the two states that have done nothing to actually shut down the state because supposedly they want to protect the economy. And even Texas and even Arizona, both of them have Trumpian governors, even those two states have enacted uh, stricter restrictions. Texas even has a statewide mask mandate now. Uh, Florida and Georgia, nothing. And, uh, and the reality is, and we, we saw this in, in Europe with Sweden, that who also, which also didn't close down, is that you cannot have a functioning economy when everybody you interact with is a potential vector of a fatal disease. And so they are being dramatically impacted and states that are being more, more uh, prudent actually have more resilient economies. I mean, New York has actually gained jobs, even though it's still pretty tightly shut down. 
Yeah. Once you control the disease, you can actually have more of an economy, slowly and surely. And the thing about these jobs, so every month when the new jobs numbers come out, I talk to my friend Chad Stone Marcos, who's the chief economist at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. And last month, and we'll see at the end of this week what the new numbers look like, and they'll tell us more. But last month, this is what it looks like. The There was a little bit of an uptick. People were back at work. But it didn't reflect the surge that was coming on just as those jobs numbers were coming out. Yes. I believe what we're going to find is that the surge and those last month's jobs numbers are related. It was essential workers that went back to work and, and people working um, in the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry, people of color, who rushed back to work as these states reopened. And as soon as they went back to work, they got infected. And yeah. so now that those are the same numbers that are now filing overwhelmingly for unemployment. So there's a direct relationship between the unemployment and the surge mm -hmm. and, and all of that. And it, that's probably a too complicated a way for it to be explained in a, in a five second television soundbite. <laughs> but you can't really separate the two. You don't reopen, you don't have yeah. a you don't reopen, you don't have a surge, and you don't have higher unemployment. The same so, people have their jobs yeah. back 30 days, back off the job again. Yeah, you don't need a net to explain that. People get it. People yeah. get it. And, and in fact, uh, the New York Times on, uh, on Tuesday released a, a uh, study that found that the higher the number of deaths in a county, the lower Donald Trump's support goes. Uh, and, and this is, doesn't matter if it's a blue county, red county, whatever. Uh, people are realizing it and they're putting the blame right where it belongs. And there's a reason Republicans are flailing right now. And it's not because of any Democratic ad campaign. Um, in fact, as we joked about, Joe Biden doesn't even seem to have a campaign. Right? He's just lounging by the pool or something. And every time he pops out, you kind of wish he didn't. <laughs> so um, I have to. And in, I said to some people that we mutually know, I said, you know, Marcos keeps saying that, and I wish he stopped saying that. A couple of people, you'd be surprised where they are, where they work. Like, no, Marcos might be right, Mark. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're kidding. His best campaign stuff he's done is when he does these uh, these chats with, like, Barack Obama, and, you know, he, where he's interviewing other people. And actually, it, it's, a, it's a good look for him, because... Uh, it shows him to be statesman-like, but without him saying. So the, the diplomatic phraseology that was put on what you're saying by other folk I talked okay. is called, uh, you know, not committing unforced errors. That's what that's called. Yes. You don't want to yes. commit errors. So just be cool. And, and, you know, two things. Republicans were really counting on that as a way to try to knock you know joe biden down a bunch throughout the course of the campaign and, and you know joe he would have provided plenty of fodder and uh i don't think it matters because again uh if you look at the double haters people who don't like biden who don't like trump you know right now they're 80 90 going to biden and in 2016 those double haters went to trump because they ha they hated hillary clinton more for stupid reasons um so but 
the reality is, is, is Trump is so effective at digging his own grave that even if Biden was, you know, Obama-esque in his, uh, in his uh, rhetoric, like, why, why step in the way? Uh, you know, just let Trump keep digging his grave. And, and I don't know if you, if you remember this. Most people don't. But the Trump campaign did a good job the last two weeks of the election in 2016 of getting Trump to stop tweeting and to shut up. And he sort of kind of disappeared. And, you know, magically, it's, you know, within that period, the, the uh, Comey report came out. And, you know, so all the focus was on, on Hillary Clinton. Right. And it moved numbers, you know, not a lot, one, two points. But, you know, he didn't win by more than one, two points in the, those key states. So we have a, a reverse situation right now where it's, it's Trump who, who keeps doing and saying things that just keep digging that hole deeper and deeper. And his campaign, if, you know, if they had any kind of juice, what they would do with, with him is just get him to shut up. And his numbers would improve. Just naturally, I guarantee you, his numbers would improve. He cannot do it. He can't even do the whole tone change thing. Like, what was it, 24 hours this time? And the media's are like, oh, he changed his tone. No, he, no. 24 hours. He can't, he can't hold it. He can't sustain it. And so you look and you like, there's nothing in how he's running this campaign that says, I want to be reelected. Now he does because he doesn't want to be embarrassed and he doesn't want to be labeled a loser, but he's not going to do the things that he needs to do to, to win the campaign. And if you look back at his career, when has he done anything? Where has he, when has he had to work or shown any discomfort in order to get ahead in life? Right. He hasn't, right? He, 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 he screws stuff up. He declares bankruptcy. He sues his critics into silence. Uh, and that's how he's gotten ahead in life. And suddenly he's at a place where, he, you know, failing upwards, he, he can't fail more upwards. I mean, he's already failed at the top. Um, 150,000 people and counting are dead. And uh, yeah, he can't sue his way out of it, even though his legal, I think he's spent what, $40 million so far in counting. And a typical campaign at this point will have spent four or five million dollars in legal expenses on regulatory stuff, and now he's at forty, fifty million dollars spent. So um, he cannot do what he needs to do to win, and that's why I've been so confident from the very beginning, just knowing who Donald Trump is and knowing his history, that it is he is quite incapable of revor uh, reversing course and being somebody that he's not. Yeah, and. Should we be, see again, and I might have asked you this last week too, but, you know, there's the, there's the element of October surprise. Now, some people are already saying that if there's a vaccine, that'll be his October surprise and he'll win. I don't think there's going to be a successful vaccine in the next two months. I think that's unrealistic. And I don't know that people will give him credit for it. But they won't. I do think that Russia's planning something, you know, and they're going to do something. There's going to be some online activity. There really already is. Um, that I think they, that, and, I, and so I don't think that it's all idiocy. I mean, we know he's an idiot and we know they're flailing. But he has that in his back pocket. I think he knows he's going to get some, going to get some help and going to get a Hail Mary. Yeah, I mean, it was different in 2016 when the focus was on Hillary Clinton and their supposed, you know, corruption and all that. And so it was easier to stoke those racial divisions. Obviously, we know they targeted, you know, the black community heavily to try to suppress that vote. And they did so to some extent. 
Um, but this time, there, it's the, the danger is so clear. The focus is on Trump. I don't see, and I don't, I don't want to sound complacent because obviously we need to be vigilant and, and it's just hard to see what message they could use that can penetrate the, uh, the anti-Trump uh, bubble. And you're seeing polling showing that Trump's um, negative approvals are over 50%, but they're strongly negative over 50%. We're not even talking, you know, most pollsters ask, and like, you, you know, somewhat approved, somewhat disapproved, strongly disapproved. The strongly are, are, are now a majority. And he is in real trouble. And in, in civics polling, we're seeing, you know, Montana and Alaska are tight states. I mean, when you, when you have that kind of national shift where you have a plus eight, plus nine shift to the left, and that means from baseline. So baseline is 2016. Uh, Donald Trump won Montana by 20, and suddenly it's competitive, right? In Montana, that's shifted 20 points. Uh, we're not seeing a national 20-point shift, but we're seeing about a national eight or nine points shift. And that just means all those battlegrounds, all the 2016 battlegrounds are in, in Biden's uh, corner right now. And he's leading in every single one of the Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Those are the those will decide the election. But Trump is also, uh, I mean, Biden is, is also tied in Alaska, Montana, Iowa. He's narrowly behind in Ohio. He is about five to six points behind in Texas. He's about seven points behind in South Carolina. These are states that are still trending the, in the Democrats' direction. And there's just nothing Russia or anybody else can do to, if they push it, you know, a couple points back in, in Trump's direction, he still loses by a lot. So I'm less concerned about uh, Russia and I'm more concerned about efforts to delegitimize mail-in voting. And you know Trump is really, really trying to claim that any votes cast by mail are illegitimate, because Democrats are nailing it in vote by mail organizing. Um, he is trying. You know, you had you had Bill Barr tes testifying in the Senate and no, the House yesterday, and Bill Barr, the uh, the Attorney General, saying that if the results are clear. Donald Trump should leave office. What, what's that mean if the results are clear, right? They're laying the foundation to say, well, the results are unclear. And that's the bigger danger is, is you're gonna have this mass, you're gonna have 30 million deplorables saying Donald Trump was, you know, the election was stolen from Donald Trump. What does that mean? Yeah. And they, we know they're gonna, you're right, they're gonna do that no matter what. Um, yeah. He loses in a landslide. They're gonna say it's rigged, it's rigged. Yeah. <laughs> blame the mail-in balloting that they won't let happen. Barr testifying even on Tuesday that, you know, he feels there's a lot of fraud in mail-in balloting. Yep. Yeah. And there isn't. There, yeah, there isn't fraud in mail-in ballot, just to be very, very clear. Yeah, it's very clear. Yeah. Folks, Marcos is going to take a couple of weeks off and enjoy your time off. Be careful. It's a digital detox. If all goes well, I'm actually going to stay away from, from the internet, which is so if I come back, I may not know anything about what's happening. Just, <laughs> it's a warning. I, I, I'm, allowed, I'm allowed to check back in when a VP is chosen. That's it. <laughs> what is that supposed to happen? Do we know? Uh, it's this week, next week. It was, it was late July, apparently, and we're in late, well, July's almost over. Yeah. 
I don't think he's in any hurry, right? Why? Why? <laughs> At this point, I, I think he should just leave. Yeah, he can wait. Civics with a Q.com, DailyCoast.com. Marcos Melissa is here for Thursday Coast as always. Thank you, buddy. Enjoy your time off. Uh, thank you very much. Have a great week, and everybody, please stay safe. Yes, sir. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.